Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa, and I give a shit about you. I give a shit about you out in those, uh, out in the snow today. And I am so proud of myself for being here and getting through the blizzard. I walked, it's like a half a mile, but I walked it. And I'm proud that uh, my uh, guest today, Pete Dutro, Dutro, how do you Dutro. say it? Dutro is with me, and uh, we're 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 rocking it. We're rocking it. I want to give you a tip. I gave you a tip last week about drinking. Today, I'm going to give you a great tip about being warm. So here it is: if you put on stockings, pantyhose, tights under your jeans, you will be warm. Uh, you're welcome. I mean, there's just that's definitely going to happen. So I, if you're if you that is the secret to being warm. Okay, so don't ever tell me that you're cold because unless you're doing this, you're going to be fine. Um, unless you're not doing this, you're going to be fine. I also wanted to, um, I posted a picture. I was in uh, Bloomingdale's last week and I posted a picture of the Ivanka uh, shoe line being uh, in the shoe department of Bloomingdale's. There was a big sign, Ivanka, you know, Trump shoes. And so um, I have this idea that I think uh, would be great, better than a boycott. And I think it's really uh, great for my listening, my listeners. Okay, this is what you people who listen to this show or Radio Free Brooklyn, which is the greatest radio station in the Western Hemisphere, please go to our homepage and uh, sign up and make a donation, you know, like 50 cents, 50 cents a month, really. That would be great. Anyway, so here's what you should do, dear listeners. Go to Bloomingdale's. Don't take a shower for a week first. Put on your worst clothes. Uh, be as messy and disgusting as possible. Chew gum. Go to the Ivanka Trump shoe department on the second floor at Bloomingdale's. And try on as many pairs of shoes as you can, okay? That's what I... Do not buy anything, of course. Just drive everybody crazy. Hang out in the shoe department as much as you can, all right? Thanks. I, I'll, I'll see you there. I think this is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about it. So I want to introduce you to my guest, Pete. Pete, hi. Say your name. I want to hear you say it. Pete Dutro. Pete Dutro. Okay, there you go. So Pete is here uh, because of a, uh, I'm going to say is a good friend or a valued friend, Paul D'Agostino, who has been on the show before, episode 1633, where I couldn't quite get to the bottom of who he was. You can imagine that, Pete. Or maybe you ha maybe you have. No, I get Paul quite a bit. He and I have had very similar uh, interests in, very kind of parallel experiences. Uh, well, also, you spent more than like an hour in the studio with him. You, 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 definitely. You own a tattoo. Pete owns this awesome tattoo parlor that I want to tell you about. It's called Do or Die Tattoo. I posted some photos of the work that Paul does. I've seen the work that Paul does, and I mean Pete. Sorry. It's okay, I always get confused with Peter Paul, you know. Peter Paul or Mary. Yeah, I almost got named Peter Paul Dutro, which I would have had to kill my That would have been for. awful. So anyway, um, his work is great. The tattoo parlor is great. 
um, he's 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 the real he's the real deal. I can tell you I can tell you that uh, I haven't spent a lot of time with Pete, but I can tell you that he's this he's a very he's got a very dense brain, which is why him and Paul probably got along probably get along so well. How often do you how often Paul Degas Paul D'Agostino he, he, he is like in on the regular. On the regular. So let's describe Paul. He's uh he speaks how many languages? Many. Many. I'm trying His, to catch up with him. I know he speaks at least three or four. Three or four I think and he may he, speak even five. And he's just like so accomplished. He has a PhD. He ha he's a teacher. He's an artist. He's a curator. And he's embarrassed that we're saying nice things because he's in, like humble. He's very humble. We're like, uh, like really humble. And um, he's one of, I, I mean, really, he's like, there aren't, um, this sounds really he's arrogant. One of the, he's one of the reasons I live in Brooklyn. <laughs> you, you know, I don't. It's people like him. This sound, I, I can see that. I mean, I get that. I mean, it is a privilege. I know you can't deal with this, Paul, but it is kind of a privilege to like be able to hang out with you because the truth is I do know a lot of bright people and I, I consider myself relatively intelligent. But when I'm around Paul, I really feel like I can't quite get a beat on how smart he is or like the depth of his intelligence. Yeah, I think, and his I think, cognitive, I think it, his cognitive stuff. I, I also think a lot of that comes from also being somebody who speaks more than one language. I do too. Because no, I also speak more than one, and I think uh, a lot of that kind of intelligence that I've known in people like Paul who speak many languages is because there, because there is, uh, there each language is in itself a point of view and a way to organize the world. Mm. He's popping through more ways uh, to organize things faster than a lot of people because I've noticed that as I oh I see as I've spoken more languages I notice more little connections in things in the world you know it, it, I'm very much into the idea of the unity of knowledge and even the unity of of points of view through language like the more languages you know you actually see almost like the universal point of view if that's ever possible you know mm. what I mean? see it all all at once you know I'm, think, I'm thinking right now it'd be really fun maybe what i what maybe what i'll do at some point i wanted to have paul on again but maybe what i'll do is instead of me interviewing him i'll just have you guys in and kind of sit back and kind of listen to what you guys talk about because i think that would be that would be kind of interesting. That would that would be very revealing in a certain pa way. Paul, Paul and I seem to talk mostly about art and also botany. Botany. You guys both know a lot about plants. No, but we both know enough to have an intelligent conversation about plants. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us, Paul and I, have uh, read a lot of similar books and similar things. So mm -hmm. it's it's always a treat when you have somebody who's read some kind of weird esoteric little essay or book that you, you know what i'm just gonna say this to me that sounds really boring and that's just me but if you guys come in and you start talking about that i i'm gonna just switch the channel and i'm sure we'll get you know i'll be like okay i don't really want you guys to talk about this can you talk about this may me so i think i'm gonna have you guys on together at some point in the near near future when paul has a chance because he he's always working um so here's what Paul Paul uh, wrote that we would we would um, that you know you would be talking about jettison that we we should be talking about together Pete jettison career paths to New York City of yore 
Forsaken and Pursued Dreams. Puns and Pets. I hate puns. Paul, I hate puns. I love puns. Okay, well, that's another thing that you two won't be able to talk about on this show because I hate (laughs) puns. Pets I love, spouses and kids, and maybe um, something else that's just too complicated. Uh, So Paul is, how old are you, Paul? Pete. There you are. (laughs) It's so confusing, Peter and Paul. I am 41. You're 41, and you're married? Uh, you have a child. You have, I have children. A child. I have a child, and I have a very. Uh, you have a partner. Yeah, I have a. I would say a very serious partner that mm-hmm. I've been with for uh, oh close to four years now, and mm-hmm. uh, she organizes and makes my life so much better. Thank you, Stella, for everything. I uh, met her. She's lovely. She is a great person. And is she the mother of your child? No, she's my girlfriend. And what about the mother of your child? Uh, the mother of my child is a old friend of mine. I've known her since I was about 18 or 19. And, you know, we tried and it didn't work out. And now we get along and it's okay and everybody's moved on. So you co-parent? We definitely co-parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, does your daughter live, does she live, does your um, ex-girlfriend live near you? Do you guys share, see the no, kid a lot? My ex-wife, she lives up in Boston, but she gets her for the weekends and I have her during the week. Wow. So do your um, daughter, um, how old is your daughter now? She's uh, 10. And is she traveling between Boston and? In New Jersey and, and New York, yeah. Uh, every week? Almost. Mm-mm. I get one weekend a month with her just so we can hang out on a weekend. Right. How is that? Is that tough? Let's be, I mean, that sounds tough. I'm just going to say it. Actually, I kind of, I'm very fortunate too that I have a schedule that permits me uh, time with my daughter and I'm a very involved father. So like. Yeah, I have no doubt. You know, I I generally come into the shop around noon and I leave Mm -hmm. a little bit early Mm -hmm. and then I go home and spend the evenings with my daughter and my girl. Mm. And uh, we have, you know, we eat dinner together and I help her with her homework. And then, uh, you know, we either work on a project. My daughter really loves to draw. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, I'm hoping she picks up the uh, the family business ah. you know, and, uh, in, in the future. And she definitely has expressed interest in it and has a eye for it. And, you know, she's what I would call talented in the sense that she was interested very early and had the attention span to be able to concentrate on drawings for longer periods of time than most people at mm. a very early age. I think that's important. That's a good point. Attention span. You know, and she, she and I, you know, mostly we just draw together or we talk about politics mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, or I help her solve problems with difficult boys in her class. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but just by showing up at the school, probably. Uh, you, I mean, you should see Pete. 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 Pete looks like you know. I mean, he's not a like a date. I don't know. Dangerous. You look like you don't take any shit. I don't. You don't take any shit. I and and you you could probably yeah. You're like uh, you could definitely cut somebody down verbally. Oh, I have a sharp tongue. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get in a fight with you here. A sharp tongue and a very strong. Maybe I boot. will. I don't know. I don't think we'd get in a fight that easily. Uh, I don't. I don't really appreciate fighting that much. I mean, I don't mind verbal sparring. Yeah, I guess. Or like slap boxing with my friends in a physical sense. But, ah, yeah. You know, I, I, I find that most people can't take what they can dish. 
I have a very <laughs> That's a good point. And I have a very thick skin. Oh. And Oh, yeah. So you got the armor. It's not a thick skin. It's like a So, you know what? I want to get get into so you're a bit of an enigma. Um, I did some research on you, and uh, you had mentioned this. This is something I want to find out about, um, the forsaken career paths, because that's something I'm particularly interested in and something that you know was suggested to us by our, our mutual friend. But um, one of the things uh, that I'm, you had mentioned when I stopped by the store, which is awesome, um, and also, by the way, I just want to say what you were doing. He was putting this designer was having a ruler tattooed on her arm. Pete was tattooing this ruler on her arm so that she could use her arm as a ruler. I mean, which I thought was pretty fucking brilliant. It was it was a pretty fun tattoo. And it, and it looked great. But anyway, so you had a major role as the in the finances behind the Occupy Wall Street movement, right? I did. Uh and you've been on. You probably been on TV about that. And were you interviewed? You I did you speak on, a lot? I was definitely on TV and got asked to speak a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Occupy was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, it's again the the fortune of living, the good fortune of living in New York, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I heard about it pretty early on and went very early. Mm-hmm. And you know, I kind of fell into that role because in the beginning it was very magical. The first two weeks were like, wow. Right. It was crazy. It's one of the greatest mm-hmm. things I've ever lived through. And then also one of probably later on, one of the more heartbreaking things to have seen like the things that had happened. But I'm glad I participated. Yeah. And I was glad I was one of the people who uh, was able to do something. No, that's awesome. And um, I'm sure it was like an incredible experience. And one of the reasons I wanted to point that out was because before we get into your uh, jettison career paths, there is one thing I know, this is one thing I know about you that I wanted to share with you, you people sitting at home debating about how you're going to get dressed for the Ivanka shoe store uh, try-on, uh, picking out your worst clothing. Um, but anyway, uh, what what I wanted people to know is that, you know, you obviously have your shit together um, in some way and your ability, what that points out is your ability to communicate and manage and work in a group of um, a certain type and also your ability to manage money, which is a very, uh, you know, things that don't come together very, very disparate. Most people would not be able to bring those two things together. So let's hear about what what your career path was. Is what? Well, now you have a. You're like really happy with your tattoo store, right? Yeah, I've been tattooing for twenty years. So yeah, that's been my career path. Has mm-hmm. been tattooing. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much the only thing I've really done professionally in my adult life. I've done some other things, like I had a uh, web development and advertising company. Mm-hmm. In the mid two thousands, we were, you know, we got some hot clients like uh, Veronica Webb, Chris Weber. Uh, oh, people! Yeah, you know, oh, we, you we were, were like, making like websites for personalities. Yeah. Oh. the company won a Webby. You know. Oh, it was pretty cool, and, and that then, was your company as well. Uh, well, not a. Orig- it was uh founded by uh three friends of mine who i met through my other tattoo shop which was mcdougall street tattoo oh 
which was in the West Village. Um, I met them through that shop, and then I ended up doing design work with them, a little stuff here, a little stuff there, and then I started realizing they needed more management oh. and uh, financial, uh, fiscal like uh, management, and also like contracting and kind of like. Well, money. That's what I want to know yes. about. You must be good with money. How is it that good you're good with money? money? Or like what What did you, were you well, studying um, no. finance or anything? What did you study? I, I did. I, I went to school eventually after the stock market collapsed in 2008. I mm-hmm. went and studied uh, uh, business technology management, which I had a concentration in finance at uh, NYU Polytechnic. Mm-hmm. So I went to an engineering school. I did a lot mm-hmm. of math and businessy, mm-hmm. businessy stuff. So I've known about this stuff. But I would say, honestly, I learned about money and management in the street. Mm. I was one of those kids. I grew up in Boston. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those latchkey kids. Mm-hmm. And What did your parents do? My, my mom ran, at that time, uh, the... Uh, academic computer services. Uh, n- she ran the network at Northeastern University, mm-hmm. basically. And my dad has always been a scientist. Oh wow! What kind of scientist? He's in biotech. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? He does. Does he work at like? Does he work at a government thing? Does he work? No, at no, no. A- he's always worked in pri- in the private industry, but he's been uh, he's he's basically like a a science guy's science guy. He does a lot of science checking and research and development stuff and business development of by like checking the the, the science behind things. Mm, so it's sort of like and science and engineering in a sense. Yeah, but he's also worked a lot on cancer drugs. I know he worked mm-hmm. on AIDS in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, he's worked on a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that. It, would be game changers, and he's he's a very driven man. Oh wow, he's smart. He's right? very smart man. Now, now, man now, now, and and yeah, now I'm now I'm getting it. Now, isn't it coming together a little bit? You know what I mean? Except now you're starting to see much more black sheep to me. No, my family is basically a family of black sheep. People. Well, I'm I'm imagining that your father did pretty well. Eventually, when we were younger, not we were, we were. A little hard up. I mean, I grew up in uh, like hippie communal houses. Where? In, oh, in oh, and around said, Boston. You just said that, yes. And you know, there was like 25, 20, 25 people in the house. Living How in the many house. kids there did was, you did you have brothers and sisters? I have a younger brother, but he's a lot younger than me. Like ten years younger. Yeah. Hmm. So you so like you kind of grew up an only child in a certain way. Yeah, and I grew up at a time, too, when we could all still run buck wild, you know, free-range kids. And so, so was I got there... in a lot of trouble. Oh, you did? <laughs> cool. Like, tell us. That's cool. I like that. What'd you do? Uh, you know, I mean, I was I was your typical, like, punk rock skateboarding kid. And at first, you know, it was all, like, mindless stuff, like graffiti and skateboarding on places where you're not supposed to skateboard. I hung out in Harvard Square, and I was very heavily involved in uh, the Boston hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. And slowly but surely, you know, I mean, I just started hanging out more, and I just didn't care about school. Stopped going to school. Mm. Uh, my freshman year of high school, I went to like thirty-three days of school. Mm. That's and, it. And then I got caught selling uh, some weed. 
mm. at, at the end of that, that freshman year. Mm. And I was already on probation, but they didn't really catch me because I had, I got ratted out. And then uh, I and then I found a little bit of it in the bottom of my pocket, and then I hid it in a potted plant in my principal's office. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, like what? That's so self destructive. Why? That's such a fuck you. Come on, you put pot in your principal, vice principal's office. Yeah, so it wasn't on me. I put it underneath the little like the green stuff. That they have on. Well, the I wasn't. So, I wasn't like, there. You know. None of that sounds very logical. But oh, I, no, I'll take your word didn't, for they it. Didn't, they didn't catch me, but they knew that I'd done something. So then they they reprimanded me to DYS, which is Department of Youth Services. Mm. So I went to a couple like I I, I I basically went to like a it's like a outward bound kind of camp, but mm. with hard labor and mm. you're handcuffed. Uh, were you handcuffed as yeah, a well, teenager? It was, Oh yeah, no, no. It was juvie. All teenagers should be handcuffed, don't you think? Pretty much. <laughs> they got shit for brains. <laughs> Especially men. Until we're twenty five, we are completely. No, you nuts. know, it's true. The brain isn't developed. And it's not fair. It's not fair to actually blame the kid because they 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 can't they're they're just not adult. They just you know But basically in that phase of my life I would rob, steal, do whatever to get whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I had That's a lot of so fun. Bad. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. So bad. You were bad. Very, very bad. So what did your parents? My mom. Uh, my mom was completely freaked out. But the bright side of it is, what about your dad? How come you don't mention your dad when you mention your mom? Your was your dad like now? I'm mad at now. I'm mad at your dad. Like was he like just totally abdicated? You deal with it, or where was your dad? Oh no no no! He was upset, but I, I never listened to him. He's he's my stepfather. Oh. Uh. But he's been with me since I was six. Mm. My my biological father uh, left the scene before I was born. Oh, uh, okay. So when you talk about the scientists, is that your dad or your? That's my stepfather. Ah, uh, so he my was biological a... father was an academic. Oh, uh, and you've have you met him or you have nothing? No, to do with I've him? only met him on Facebook. Really. Ah, uh, well, <sighs> how how do you feel about that? Do you have any? Do you have residue from? Have you talked to a therapist about uh, that? That's intense. I, I think I was probably more angry when I was younger. You were angry about it, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I, and I also feel like that is one of the things that has been a huge motivator into trying to be very present for my child mm. and being a very present, very you know, benign mm-hmm. kind of father too. Mm-hmm. Not a not an angry. You know, mansplaining. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you how it How is, do you kid. feel about your stepfather? I mean, I love that guy to death. He's he is an really good. Man. He's an amazing man. Mm-hmm. He is probably the smartest man I know. And he's also the person I think that has taught me the most in life. Mm. That's know? great. That's like, really good to hear. And I, and I feel like he really taught me how to be a man. That's so great. And you and you obviously think he has a good relationship. You like the way he is with your mom, right? Oh, he's the best. So he he's a good example of a relationship. That's that's really good. That makes me feel really good. Oh, I love the guy. To, I, I love him so much. It's Oh, I, I'm so glad to hear that. That really makes that really um, that's great to hear, you know, because um, I'm it, sure I'm sure like that must have been 
you know, thank God for him, right? Because having, oh, definitely. I mean, nothing personal, but like for everyone that has like a parent ditch them when they're a kid. I mean, there's no way that's not, that that's never good for a kid. It's just not good. Unless they're really horrible, I guess maybe, but then that's bad for a different reason. Well, that's kind of how I've, I've chalked it up as I've gotten older. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, probably like my biological dad. Was a douche. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't yeah. know him. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that, but I can say that there was probably enough baggage there that mm-hmm. it would have been douchey. Mm-hmm. He probably but did he's me a, a favor. He's a scientist we're talking about, though. So he was obviously a very bright... No, he was an academic. No, we're talking about... Uh, I'm sorry, father. your stepfather was... The person you grew up with was a scientist. Yes. Um, so like what I'm trying to square now is like I'm picturing you, although in a hippie environment, like a crazy hippie environment, like a big house with yeah. like a horde of kids running around. Pretty much. Um, but still, I mean, your parents seem like, sound like they were, you know, intelligent, highly functional people. And how did they deal with having a kid who was so fucked up? Well, I actually look at it like this. I made the intelligent choice. What was that? Get experience. What do you mean by that? Well, we were talking earlier about how people have eclectic sets of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely had a uh, a thorough, mischievous upbringing. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a certain skill set and mindset that I think has actually given me a lot of advantage in life. Oh, you mean going through juvie? Yeah, and all that nonsense. Sure. And and just like knowing how to deal with people, knowing how things operate. Like right. going through juvie taught me a lot about law. I bet. <laughs> like like you know, I remember this one time that the that my probation officer commented to my mother is like he's like all these kids, they're they're little jailhouse lawyers. They know too much. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And me and my friends were giving each other legal help with, you know, different cases we were trying to beat. And very often we beat them. <laughs> I bet. Because you guys had the resources and you it was important. You gave a shit. Yeah. I want to remind, I'm sorry, I just have to, I have to do my station ID. It's, it's always awkward because I have the best intense conversations and... It's always awkward, but I do want to remind people to that they are to 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 give us money because right now, you know, this is a we put all this out here completely commercial free and uh, we could really use some help. And uh, what we're doing as a community is really great. And just go to the Radio Free dot Radio Free Brooklyn dot com page and check out all our shows, which are great. And I'm here I'm Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit, and I'm here with a uh, tattoo artist, a parlor owner of Do or Die Tattoo, Pete Dutro. So go ahead. So Correct. we were talking I, about I, I, how I, horrible, like what you learned in how, how great, um, what a great experience being in juvie was for you. But well, I bet you learned a lot, right? Quickly. I don't, I don't know so much about juvie as much as just being kind of one of those kids on the street who is always hustling. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it taught me a lot about learning to sell. Were you, you know, selling drugs? I have done that when in my youth. Mm-hmm. But what I, do you mean? I have not done that in. No, no. We're talking like as a since, teenager. Yeah. Like, what was your lifestyle like? As like you, you were selling. What were you doing as? What, what were you ripping, like as a teenager? I was teenager? ripping off hardcore. I was ripping off Harvard students. 
So I was selling them oregano and little pieces of oh. like paper as acid mm-hmm. and breaking so you- into their dorms, stealing their bikes. I was basically, mm-hmm. you know, your run-of-the-mill little piece of shit that, you know, r- mm-hmm. that was running around in the urban environment at that point. Did the- you ever have a gun or anything like that? Oh, definitely. You had <laughs> guns? Oh, many of them. Did you ever shoot anybody? Come on. Did I ever shoot anybody? No, but I have sh- I have shot a gun within the city limits in anger. Have you ever robbed anybody? anybody at gunpoint? Maybe Mm-hmm. When I was younger, yeah. No, we 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 are we are we are, you know, we are not judging. We and you know what? I don't give a shit r- r- anyway because I think like it's clear to me whatever you're putting out in the community right now is really valuable. Well, so I, I don't care I, what happened. I, I look at it, I kind of look at it like this: a lot of that stuff is kind of what gave me a moral base. Mm-hmm. Having run that whole side of my life. Mm-hmm. and lived completely immorally mm-hmm. when the moment came that I changed and that moment really came when I had cancer. Oh. And when I had cancer, you know, I had a lot of time to reflect. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. What kind of cancer? I had testicular cancer. Gentlemen, go get checked. You know, um, so were you, how old were you? I was 30. Oh, I had somebody on my show once who had a ball removed. Did you have a test? Do you have oh, your- I, have, I have one. I am a uniballer. You have one testicle also? Yeah. yeah. yeah he showed it to me, I'm, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of it, too. Yeah. He had he had an infection. It was very painful. I, I hope you didn't go. Was It must have been painful no matter what. No, huh? actually, it was a bit painful. I, I, mm-hmm. I got into a motorcycle accident, and I thought I kind of like did something to my nard mm-hmm. because I, I went flying about 30 feet mm-hmm. and- uh, Long story, but I thought that was it. And then I went to Dr. Dave Ory's on the Lower East Side, and he was like, nah, dog, you got cancer. That's like, so get that ironic, right? That that you found out you had, if you hadn't had that accident, you wouldn't have found out you had cancer? Is that what I'm hearing? No. I thought, I was blaming it on the on the accident. Oh, uh, you mean you had like pain or some weird? Well, no, I had like a, uh, I had like a nard growing out of my nard. Ah, you had a growth. I see. What it was you huge. It looked like it looked like a pe- it was like peanut shaped, but like wow. you know, like when the peanuts have like a third one that's growing out the side. Yeah, it was like that. So you waited. Yeah. Wow. A long time, and they were like, "Wow, you're an idiot." Oh wow. Well, were you scared somewhere? I bet. Yeah, there was a there was yeah. A hot you were cycle. like, I don't want to know what this is. It's going away. No, it's and, not. And 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 I'll tell you the time that really made me think though mm-hmm. was. When I had my radiation therapy. Why is that? It made me feel really, really, really ill. Really? Yes. Like really ill. Like I got, it just, it feels like the whole ground is like wavy beneath you. Like you're in high seas. You felt sick. Yeah. Like, just, like it, really, like, like really ill and, and just, it was gross. Uh-huh. I had stage zero cancer breast cancer and I had radiation and it wasn't nearly that. It, I, I didn't a, really. I had a pretty good dose of it. You must have had a very serious dose because mine didn't really affect me at all. Well, the first two weeks, it didn't bother me. It was the last two weeks of it. The last two weeks of it really affected me a lot. Mm. The last two weeks, uh, I got really ill and it was really bad. No. And, uh, you know, but whatever. But I came through it. But during that whole time, I thought a lot about my life. So so did they just, like, are you okay? Did they take the ball out and now you're fine? I'm good. That was like how long ago? How old were you? Eleven years ago. You were like thirty. Yeah, something. I was like thirty. So you were like, were you were you a, a rebel until or whatever? Um, 
a thug until 30? No, at about 25, I kind of stopped that nonsense because I, at that point, I went, I, I had a really crazy crack binge. Mm. Uh, you know, I went on a, like a, <laughs> a little bit of a bender there for about six months. Mm. And that wasn't the first one, but that was the last one, you know? Mm. And, uh, did you go into treatment after that? Nah. Ever- no, 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 I just, stopped. just stopped. I just went in? to A. I went to AA, and I went to AA for five years. Oh well, I call that treatment. I guess. That's All right. Well, then, yeah. Yeah, I, went to I guess. Whatever. You what? You went and got help. I went. I went. I went to AA for five years, and then I realized, oh wait, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't have to be stone sober, and uh, I started smoking weed again when I got my cancer. But uh, you know, now now I pretty much smoke weed, and that's it. Mm, mm. And uh, but so you had a bottoming out. Probably I had a bottoming out, and at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I have been shot and I've been stabbed. Mm. So at that point, I kind of started thinking about a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I tried to, I have two ministers for grandfathers. Get out. Yes. That's crazy. What did they think of you? Or what did they think of you then? Well, one of they were both dead. Oh, okay. By then. <laughs> And one funny. of them died very young when I was mm-hmm. very young, and the other one was the who is my stepfather's father. It was the guy was the man, this guy uh, Mylon Brinkus, but he was he was the man, and he was he was a very radical guy. He was very heavily involved in civil rights. Oh, cool! And uh, yeah, he was a he was a really cool dude, and I loved Mel so much. I mean, he used to take me on roller coasters when he was in his seventies. Like he was the man. Wow! But. You know, kind of when I started doing all of that AA stuff, you know, I, I thought a lot about like stuff that my grandfather had said and stuff that my parents had told me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of started normalizing. You know what I'm wondering about? This is what it makes me think about. It makes me think about um, ego. It makes me think that you felt like you were, you know, maybe the shit and you're smart. So you could think that. And that when you finally. Um, were confronted with your mortality, it kind of changed that. Is does that make? Did it? Did you have anything that related to anything like that? An ego change or? Well, very much so. I mean, I, I think it was more a, a. I don't know if it was so much that my ego was out of control, because mm-hmm. I've always out of balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of balance. I think is a much better. Mm-hmm. That's all I mean. Kind of. Yeah, I think that's a better way to phrase it. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, but I, I think also too, like I kind of grew up with a pack of wolves, and it's funny because somewhere between twenty five and thirty, the vast majority of us changed, and those who didn't, they all are died dead, or they're in jail, <laughs> are dead. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. and it, it it just at at that point it became like you said it was it was a little bit of mortality, but it's also like it becomes a lot more real. The stakes go up. Yeah, the amount of jail time goes up. The amount of uh, everything. when you get older. Yeah, as you get older, you and, get older. and and I didn't really want to deal with all of that. And then I really mm-hmm. thought about like, well, you know, what am I doing? And I at right there at twenty five was when I had a real kind of almost coming to Jesus moment. Really, but, but it wasn't what, a religious. It wasn't no, a religious. But like, did but you it was have? Like, did you get caught? Were you in jail or what happened? No, I just I smelled it all coming. What do you mean you smelled? What I smelled coming? all the tragedy coming. You just kind of could could imagine it. Well, my my partner in my first tattoo shop bit the cab bit, bit a cab driver's ear off. Hmm. On on drugs or yeah, when we were, okay. when we were out all getting <laughs> fucked up. Thank God. And, uh, <laughs> 
That's the only excuse. Yeah, That's but, a reasonable excuse, at and, least. And, and, and at that point, mm-hmm. too, a lot of my friends were going to jail for long stretches. And mm-hmm. I was just like, uh, this is just a matter of time for mm-hmm. me. And Did it affect your business? Is that what happened? Affect your business directly? When he got, did he get have to go to jail for bite? Oh, no, no, it was before we opened our business. Oh, okay. So no, I anyway, got him off of it. That, you I got him off. I had a great lawyer. I had okay. a great lawyer. But did that freak you out or something? No, but what it made me realize was at that moment, you know, I also started realizing like I was sick and tired of kind of like hiding who I was because I always had to lie to everybody. Mm. I just, I really got tired of just being mm-hmm. like feeling like I was a fake. To anybody who wasn't outside of my direct little like tight circle of mm-hmm. right co-conspirators, mm-hmm. so to speak, you know. And at that point, like it, it just it all and a lot of things happened. Like friends stabbed each other in the back, mm, literally, literally, quite literally. <laughs> and uh, that's not funny either. No, and it all just kind of broke up right there. Like, uh huh. This kind of little bu- like my little teenage uh, bubble. All, yeah, I see what you mean. You know, and and when that yeah. happened, I I realized that like yeah. A, I'm not fit to work a normal job. Right. I'd been tattooing at that point for about five years. Right. I was getting a. I was finally starting to get a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I had an opportunity here to, my friend who bit the the cab driver's ear off. He was a really good tattooer, and mm-hmm. we opened a shop, and he taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of other really great tattooers to work there. Mm-hmm. And it was I saw at that moment that that was my my moment. Mm. to you know kind of go for it and i went for it and luckily tattooing saved my life yeah i was gonna say because um i have a similar feeling from my childhood in a certain way of art saving my life and i think a lot of people feel this way and and a lot of artists and i think i think i was just gonna ask you if you felt that way but you obviously do yeah i also kind of feel that art is my family business Oh, uh, meaning? Meaning that I am not the first generation. Oh, uh, really? Yes. You have other tattoo artists? No, but I have lots of artists in my family. My f- uncle is a photographer. Oh, artists. Uh-huh. Yeah. My uncle is a photographer. My other uncle is a master brass spinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an aunt who used to be a crazy cake decorator, mm-hmm. you know, which was came from her interest in drawing and sculpting uh i have another aunt who is a composer and she's quite an accomplished composer playwright Mm -hmm. you know my mom was an actress for a long time too in Mm -hmm. in like local theater my biological father was in was in an you got the creative genes no question and your work is really i mean i can't say enough good things about it if you're anybody out there thinking about getting a tattoo you definitely got to check this 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 place out um, so did your relationship change with your parents? And I'm calling your stepdad your parents. My, did it change from when you were a bad kid to say now or, you know, the last it's five, definitely, ten years? It's definitely changed. My, my, my relationship with my parents pretty much improved when, while I was still being a bad kid, but at around 16 years old, I stopped taking it out on my parents and I just realized my parents were there and... You know, they were going to be freaked out. So I just stopped telling them anything really mm. that would freak them out. And mm-hmm. I just made time for them to make to, to make sure that they were calm and realize that I'm I'm fine. Mm-hmm. So you handled it like without involving you handled your life without involving them too much. And yeah, they did. They they kind they of didn't probably ask too many they didn't ask too many questions. That's cool. 
that's probably um they knew they couldn't stop me yeah that that's probably a smart smart way to I handle it i would it. also say this the other big experience in my life mm -hmm. that primed me for that big change mm -hmm. was i went after high after high school because when I got out of juvie, I got kicked out of all the public schools, and I ended up being put into the school when you were expelled. You go to the school back then called Manter Hall School, which mm -hmm. was in Harvard Square. Mm -hmm. And I had a great English teacher, mm -hmm. and he encouraged me to go on an exchange program, and I went and lived in Spain for a year. That's wonderful. And it was funny. Oh, that is so wonderful. It, it, it was pretty funny, too, because... Uh, he wrote a letter of recommendation for me. He's like, Pete is graduating valedictorian and has excellent grades. You know, it made me sound like this awesome student. Mm -hmm. All of which was true, but the rub, herein lies the rub. There were 13 kids in the school. I graduated in a graduating class of three. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? He, like it was creative. It was creative writing to get me in. But he 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 no. believed in you. I mean, no, I, Mr. Gannon, that my, that English teacher, that guy changed my life. He was a yeah. huge mentor influence on my yeah, life. Yeah, but he saw something in you. I mean, there's obviously, you know, you're obvious. He saw something very real in you, which. Oh, he and I were great friends. Which in, was there, right? It, it, it was. So I, what I was that was. like when you went to Spain? Did you live with a family? I did, and I got kicked out for being a bad kid. Oh, really? I did. That's weird. And here's the oh. weirder part. I've been going back and forth ever since, and I'm still really tight with that family. I've since apologized mm -hmm. for that first thing. I'm mm -hmm. so tight with them. Mm -hmm. They're like my second family in a weird way. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going back in April. And I'm going to go oh. visit them. And I'm also going to see my host sister, kind of her, uh, her husband and their kids. You know, so it, I'm still like a lot of my friends from Spain come and see me. And I go back a lot, too. Oh. So I'm still very much friends. I still much have a Slowly. huge community there. I had a punk oh. rock band there for oh, that's so cool. a little while. I, you know, I've had a but whole I, other life. I'm sure that must have really helped you by just opening you up into so many things. You know, like in the, I mean, maybe you were, it you know, maybe you were view. a bad kid then, but I'm sure in there, you know, whatever you got kicked out, but I'm sure like in the big picture, that was such a, probably a really positive experience. It was, it, 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 it made me see that there was more than just Boston. Yeah. Yeah. And where you fit in into the planet, right? Yeah, and I mean, I was very much involved in the punk rock scene and, mm -hmm. and thereby the art scene that was happening mm -hmm. in Bilbao. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking 1992. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all through the night. I mean, I've been going all through the 90s. You know, I mean, I'm going back in April. But mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a very interesting. A lot, most of my friends over there are all artists or, yeah. they're, or they're academics. Yeah. So how is having a child, how did that change your life? Were you with, were you like living with the mother at the time and all that? Yes. So how did, um, how, did you, here's the question that I just am ambivalent about, that I just realized I'm confused if it's appropriate or if it's even interesting, but um, did you plan on, was it an accident? That's what no, I was going to ask. No, it was ask. not. No, you really wanted to have a kid, the two yeah. of you. So uh, what happened? How did that affect you? People never know. And I I mean, you tell me, but people, as Greatest far as- I, experience of my life. People can't, can't never guess what having a kid is going to be like until you have a kid, right? I agree. I mean, my, my the birth of my daughter was a little uh, hilarious, mm -hmm. basically, because I had, I'd, I had cancer. 
And then when I got over and I got the clear, I was like, okay, I want something really life affirming. And I thought about it all during mm-hmm. that period of my life mm-hmm. when I had cancer. And I was like, and you were I with have your girlfriend when you had cancer. What did yes. she help take care of you? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. So yeah. So then when you were I done, was with, I was actually with a bunch of girls through the cancer, but really, cancer, yeah, cancer gets you laid. Really, yeah. I wonder if I think Eric Bergstrom would agree with that. Uh, cancer, Eric, can, 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 cancer got me so laid. Really? Yeah. So, or not, maybe he wouldn't, I don't know. So that's a comedian that uh, had cancer who seems to be doing okay now. But anyway, so um, you managed to, why did you want to have sex with so many people? That's weird. I'm sorry. That's like, what did you say? Did you say? I'm a dude. No, I'm not, I'm not doubting that. And not only that, I'm a very male, male, like. But what did you say? I've got like. You know, don't don't look at the ball; it's healing. Or how do you? Oh no! Oh no! I didn't. I didn't care. All right. I. My art. My art handle is Don Sinvergüenza, which in Spanish means without shame. And with things like that, I've never been. I've never had a lot of embarrassment. Like I. I I've never felt the need to explain myself to anyone. You know, like. This could we could digress on to we got 15 minutes left and this could be a whole conversation how one has bandaged cancerous ball that just, you know, or scrotum. No, 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 no. The incision is made in your abdomen. Yeah. But weren't you when you were getting like when you were healing, didn't it like. Well, it's two weeks. I mean, for two weeks I had a black cock. Yeah. Did you get laid then? No, it was too painful. Okay. Anyway, how did your daughter change your life? How did it change your life? And do you have any pictures of the black cock we could post? No, I wish I did. Shit. I, I, I sent them to all my friends. Why don't you after Photoshop I... one and show me? Show us you could re you know kind of make it sh- give us an example of what it would look like. It's just or maybe purple. It's purple. Think eggplant. Mm. That's, purple and swollen. Did it hurt to pee? Yes. Mm. It just hurt. Sorry, you went through that. Yeah, so, how 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 did having a kid change your life? Uh, it made me realize what's really important in life. Mm-hmm. And what's it, that mean? Well, she taught me how to stop and smell the roses. Mm-hmm. And she has been the person that I think has contributed the most to my patience. Mm-hmm. And I think we all have a patience quotient. Mm. You know, and that's kind of like your focus. Mm-hmm. And she's made me a lot more focused in mm. my life. That's great. You know, and she's also my best friend and probably the greatest conversationalist I've known. Mm. Wow. At 10. Wow. No, I mean, I think 10-year-olds, I mean, they don't have life experience, but they're pretty smart. I mean, oh, they could, she's so for sure. so aware of everything. And she seems interested in art. Very. Mm. So that's so cool. I had that bond with my dad too. It's like a really, it's a spiritual bond kind of. I think so. I mean. Yeah. It's like something beyond yourself. I mean, that, I'm, try, I'm trying, I like I like her so much. I'm trying to grow my hair out to the same length so we can look more alike. That's so cute. <laughs> so so um, what, what is, what if your kid, like, do you ever worry that she's going to be like you were or what do you think? What do you think about that? Uh, I don't think she will be like me. Mm-hmm. I think she's already her as own. a kid. Anyway. Yeah, but even as a kid, but I, I don't, I don't, I've never expected her to be like me. 
Mm-hmm. We are alike only because we're just really on the same page. Mm-hmm. And but I I really try to encourage her to do whatever she wants to mm-hmm. do and to pursue things. But I also I don't hand her things. I make her work for it. Oh, okay, that's good. You know, and she is somebody who I would say. She's a very hardworking kid. I mean, she mm-hmm. just got all 90s on her exam. Oh, wow. You know, so she's ahead of, she's already way ahead of where you were. Oh, yeah, but she, <laughs> oh, actually, I did very well in school, even yep. though I never went. Um, <laughs> I, I read all the books. I just. Oh, we're getting a call. No. Call her, call her. Hello? Yeah? We got a call. Oh, we got a call. Let me see. Let me see. Hold on. Uh, call. We got a call. Hello? Hey. Okay. Look at that. Hello? 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 Paul! Paul! Hello? How's it going? I'm all right. You guys? We're doing great. We're doing great. Yeah, I, I, need, I need to have a good chat. Oh, we had a great chat. Have you yeah. guys talked um, to... Mm-hmm. What's that? I was going to ask Pete. Pete, have you gone... Did we talk about... Like, will Paul learn anything about you from this uh, session? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe bits and details, like... But not, not, nothing, nothing too maybe shocking. The, but the black... The black yeah. penis, maybe the purple no, penis. I think, I think, I think he yeah, have you guys talked that. about yeah, that? Yeah, you've I, already I heard, talked about I heard, that. I heard, I heard that part in yeah. graphic detail. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was really funny to hear the expression. Um, uh, someone with so much baggage, and then the situation could be douchey. <laughs> 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 anyway, I I. I Thanks for calling really in. To listen to you guys chat, but I, I called now because the topic came up of uh, Pete and his daughter and their relationship, and I was hoping that Pete would tell you about the story of her doing some tattoo drawings at school because I think it's a great story. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, good because we have ten minutes, and uh, I would, yeah. I would. I also want to say that I'm starting. I'm trying to put. Paul, I'm trying to put you and Pete together, and I mean, I see you guys as friends, but I'm starting to see maybe the skateboarding, because you're um, a big skateboarder, skateboarding and tattooing culture thing. Is that part of your connection? Well, certain uh, skateboarding, maybe maybe more so than Pete, even, as a, as a child, tattooing mm-hmm. much less so than Pete mm-hmm. in um, duration of life <laughs> perhaps and, mm-hmm. and and ultimate pursuit but uh yeah i mean we also both talked a lot at the beginning of our conversations with you about getting into a lot of trouble yeah and the vert and the kind of virtues of that mm. and uh so i mean you guys that, both relate I, on that I, that i knew that Definitely. i knew that we should but you but pa- uh, paul you never had a gun did you or did you uh, no, you never had a gun. Uh, See, there's a but there's a line. That's a line that but, Pete crossed. Definitely. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I get it. Know, I get there it. Are, there, there, are, there are all kinds of. Um, so let's give Paul a Pete the last. I'm sorry. I'm talk, 
talking over you, but I want yeah, I, I, I want to get the story, and we got eight, eight minutes. But thanks for calling. Yeah, so you, tell that story. It's a good one. I okay, will. you can stay. Okay. Cheers. So, the Paul the the story that Paul was uh, talking about is actually uh, my kid drew up a uh, <laughs> a flash sheet. Uh-huh, which is like a demo of a... A flash sheet is basically a design sheet of uh, tattoo designs. It's a sheet of tattoos. It's the stuff they hang on the walls. Uh-huh. And yeah, like to sh- it's like a portfolio sheet, right? No, it's the design sheets that people pick the tattoos off the yeah, wall. Yeah, like what you... Well, I... The, portfo- in, in, the portfolio is work you've you've done. Done. Oh, this is like... Oh, it's like a sample that you can pick from. It's like a design pattern. Yeah, okay. You know? Okay, like we have all these, we can do this or this or this. Yeah. Okay, ideas. Yeah, they're ideas. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was drawing little tattoos on her friends and charging them a quarter. (laughs) Genius. Yeah, and then... I love it. And then she even uh, wrote a little consent form that basically said, if you get in trouble later for having this drawn on you, I'm not responsible. (gasps) Oh, wow. (laughs) Business. Wow, you must be so proud of I her. I am. I was. I was dying laughing when I saw it. That is really, really awesome. I'm loving that. She has a very entrepreneurial mind. Now she's moved on to stickers. Giving them out? No, selling them. Oh, selling them. She's making okay, artisanal, just, handmade stickers. Uh huh. But those, you know, if you if you sell if you give away a joint. With each of those, you could really make a lot of money. You, you, you know, if you give her, some, give her like, you know, if you give her some joints to give away. Joints. Yeah, that would really, nah, she would do really well. I, I think I would get arrested so, immediately and have her taken away from me. Yeah, that's true. Don't ever follow my advice. That's what I tell everyone on the show. Probably um, good advice. So I have, uh, it is. Uh, so I have one question uh, that I wanted to ask you. We have five minutes left. So what is something that you would like people to know about you that they don't already know? Is there anything that like you, is there anything, and maybe not that not everybody knows, but is there something that like you have that you think like, I think we all have something like this, something that we're frustrated about or something that we know and just people don't quite get that about us? Well, I have a Cassandra complex. What's that mean? In that uh, I often make, wild predictions of the future that come true and nobody believes me really i predicted trump really i've been predicting it down to almost this is a running game i have with my mother and my girlfriend Mm -hmm. of of kind of predicting the realm of possibilities of next blunders wow and i have a pretty i i would say i have a pretty good track record wow so what do you predict that's fascinating what do i predict what is going to happen with trump let's just focus on that like with our government well, I haven't had one lately come to me. They they kind of come to uh, me. You know what I mean? Specific like specific thing. Like you can't you're, you're, make it happen. Yeah, like it happens, but when it happens, it's like know, a perfect storm of instincts. Yeah, probably like, like in circumstances. I, I, predict, I predicted the Ivanka stuff. Really? Yes. You mean the 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 shoes? Yeah, I said I said watch. From somewhere after two weeks into this presidency, all the brands are going to start to suffer. <laughs> And it's, that's that's already been happening. I mean, that was, and this was a while ago. This is like, this prediction wasn't made like oh, right as he you know came into office. Like right. I was making these last summer. If he right. gets watch, right? 
Well, you know, I find it so ironic because women are so identified with shoes that it is kind of like the thing to go first, the shoes, uh, Ivanka shoes. You know what I mean? It is it is well, sort of ironic. Well, well, here's 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 the problem with stereotypes and irony. Mm-hmm. First of all, stereotypes, unfortunately, are stereotypes because they're true often enough. Yeah, of course. Often That's enough. That's where they come from. Often enough, right? Otherwise, the, we wouldn't have them. The other problem with irony... My, I, I am really anti-irony. This is another thing. Oh, so I don't like puns and you don't like irony. I don't we like could never irony. make jokes together. I don't like irony <laughs> because it means you don't stand for anything. Ah, what does that mean? Interesting. It means you're not taking, to truly find the irony in things, you're taking dual positions. Oh, that would be me. Yeah. And I really can't stand that. Oh, I, yeah. I, that's I, one I of really, my, yeah. I really like to nail people down to a position. Uh, I would also say the other thing that people may not know about me that I would like them to know is that I am so fucking Baroque. What's that mean? I mean that I love the Baroque period of art. Oh. And I'm fucking sick and tired of minimalism. Minimalism's oh. got to go. Minimalism is mm. has devolved into some bullshit that actually started out being a, a, a real intellectual pursuit, but now people use it as a cop-out to not do anything. Well, yeah, I could see that. I, I'll agree with that. I like very minimal things, but I'll agree with that. Listen, I'm dressed in all black, but I don't call it minimalist. I call it maximalist. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. I, I, I hadn't thought about that. That's an excellent point. I'm going to agree with that very wholeheartedly. So what's your home like? You have an apartment, I'm guessing. I do. Probably I in with, the neighborhood. I live, with two, yeah, I live here in Bushwick, and uh, I got two beagles. Oh, I love beagles. I love them too, except I've been having an ongoing war trying to beagle-proof my refrigerators and trash with them. They have defeated every baby-proofing device I've tried. Really? Yes, I've been So they can actually it. get and open oh, their break into Oh, they break into all, everything all the time. They have been eating me out of house and home <laughs> because like, we, got this, we moved into this new apartment and the fridge doesn't have enough suction. It's not like big enough that she can actually open it. She has the strength to open the door. Okay, we have one minute left. I want you to talk about your, um, your store and what you have coming up. Um, and it's do or die tattoo at 44 Wyckoff and Between it's Star and Willoughby Star and Willoughby and it's near the Jefferson L right and there. so tell us like you have something coming up let's hear about it well thanks uh, for listening yeah thanks a lot for listening well uh, yeah always come by the store and get tattooed also, or just hang out with Pete look how interesting he is we, we will definitely uh, you know chew your ear off um, we I'm going to be pers- uh, participating in the the oof Show the only one fucking New York City show sponsored by Generation Records and New York Hardcore Tattoos. Also, you should definitely go to New York Hardcore Tattoos and get tattooed by those guys, and also to Grandview Tattooing and R and D Tattooing. All those guys are rad. Anyway, I'm going to be participating in that. I got a cro- I got the Chromags. I did a painting for that, and I mm-hmm. will be in uh, Spain You're- and Italy in April. Oh wow! Ninja uh- Tattoo Convention. Yes. If, if, if you're in Perugia in this April. This guy has great tattoos. Dr. Lisa gives a shit.